today's episode of and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I. And welcome to today's show. Uh, we're recording this about a quarter to 6 p.m. here on the East Coast. It is uh, March 29th. 2023, which means as you're listening, this is March 30th, and it is opening day uh, in the great wide world of MLB baseball. Uh, Corwin Heller, are you prepared? Do you have special plans for watching opening day? Uh, I go to work, so no. I don't know what time the first game is. I assume it's like one o'clock. Uh, so I won't be there. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty fair. Do you have uh, special plans for watching your game, your team's game? I don't have special plans. I will do everything I can. Uh, oh, my God. It's at 4.10 p.m. Eastern time. Are you kidding? I get to actually watch a full game. Oh, this is hallelujah. That's, yeah, I will be sitting on my couch watching the San Diego Padres play baseball. There you go. N- new plans have been made. Yeah. Life is whole. Uh, yeah, the Yankees game is at one, which is great. You love to see it. I will try to watch that game also from my couch, hanging out, pretending to do a full day of work. Um, the, the one o'clock games, which will be the first games, are Yankees hosting the uh, Giants and Washington hosting Atlanta. Um, so really fun matchups for, for both teams. Um, good way to get started. Three really good teams and the Washington Nationals. Uh, the closing game of the day, all the 10 p.m. games, I guess I should say, uh, all the West Coasters, that's uh, Angels at Oakland, uh, Arizona at L.A., the Dodgers and uh, Cleveland at Seattle. Um, it's all good shit. It's all exciting stuff. Are you are you planning? Yeah. Do you have any dedicated plans to see any games this year in person uh, outside of the locale? Dedicated? No. Uh, I believe they play the Phillies in either July or August. Um, so I will be very much looking to get to that. Um, but like the rest of my life, I have not put any definitive plans into action to do so yet. So I, um, I'm going to be in San Diego in a month. And I forgot that the baseball season will be underway while I'm there. And while I'm there, this, the Padres are home, and they are hosting in one series the Reds, and then in another series the Dodgers. And I am considering trying to bully the people I'm going to San Diego with to go see San Diego Padres hosting the Dodgers, because that would be amazing. But we'll have to see. <laughs> Oh, nodding. I don't know if I want you to do that or if I would be very upset that you would do that. I 100% would do it. The question is, will I? 
and can I convince the others to join me? Because I wouldn't selfishly just steal away a whole night of baseball to myself. Baseball must be shared with others. So we'll we'll see. But uh, you would do that though, if it was I the would... Yankees, you would. Ah, uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Ooh, I mean, during if there's day games on out there, it means Yankees baseball at ten o'clock in the morning. Oh, that'd be great. That actually would be sick. That is the best part about being on the West Coast for any extended period of time is those early games. Oh, God, it really is great. It is so such an unparalleled, wonderful experience to wake up, like be drinking your morning cup of coffee, nursing it until about 10 a.m., and then having a baseball game, a football game, a hockey game, something happening sports-wise at 10 o'clock in the morning. It is great. It is the only redeeming quality of being on the West Coast because everything else is garbage. I stand by this. Someday I'll get to the West Coast. Someday. You haven't done the West Coast before? You've done like the Pacific Coast Highway or something like that? No. Ethan and Mark went out to Seattle back when we were all working at HealthQuest and that, didn't yeah. invite me. And then when I called them out for not inviting me, they were like, oh, no, we totally brought it up. And I'm like, no, you didn't because I would have gone because that's awesome. You didn't do that. And they were like, ah, darn. Oh, well. Shucks. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops, I'm in Seattle. Did I do that? Ah, yeah. Yeah, such is life. Um, if it makes you feel any better, I haven't invited you out to the West Coast either. So It's true. Yeah. No one has ever invited me out to the West Coast. That's true. My parents went out to the West Coast with my sister and stayed in <laughs> Napa Valley, and I was not invited. Where were you? I was probably like in school or something, but oh yes, school. Yeah, I barely went to class in the first place. What's funny is if you went to school just like a few years later, that might have been remote, so you could have gone to the Napa Valley. But uh, yeah, no, no, you had to be one of those in-person school kids. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk some baseball in a in a real quick second, just because it's 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 uh, current news happening at the moment is that uh. Lamar Jackson's formally requested his trade from the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I'm not sure if this means much, considering the fact that he was already a restricted free agent of sorts um, it was under the restricted franchise tag. Uh, we talked about what that meant, I think, in the last episode, so there's no need to necessarily rehash it. But to that end, I don't... Do you know how this makes it really any different, his situation? Is it not outside of, I guess the need for the contract offer to get potentially matched by the Ravens. Is there really any chief difference between how these two modes of getting Lamar Jackson somewhere else operate? I think by making it public, he is, I think it, it shows the world that he no longer wants to negotiate with the Ravens. I think it's, you know, one thing, like they franchise tag him. He wants to go somewhere where he could get that kind of money, but there's still that idea in the back of everyone's head that, hey, they could still work something out and find a way to to reach an agreement. I think openly requesting a trade is a, I no longer want to play for this team. I won't play for this team. 
moving forward, um, I, I think it's just a, a barrier in which they won't fall back on. I'm wondering from. what this does to like what the Ravens will be seeking as a return. Because when it was the restricted uh, franchise tag, it was essentially like, you know, all right, well, if you sign him and it's money we don't feel like, you have to give us, what was it, like two first-round picks? Was there anything else beyond that? Or was it just the picks? Do you remember? Um, It's two first-round picks. I don't think so. I think it would just be that. So I was wondering if, in a trade, if the Ravens would be like, well, you got to give us at least that. But I think it has to be lower than that at this point because the the stakes have now changed, whereas before it was, well, Lamar, if nobody, if you can't get another deal on the table that we aren't comfortable matching, you play for us under the franchise tag. And now it's Lamar saying, fuck, you I'm not playing for you so you can pay me all this money to not play football for you or you can move me to another team which I think that requires the um, potential return to lessen as there's I guess some additional urgency or need for the uh, Ravens to move on but I'm not sure if I have that right what do you think Man, I just outside of the sign, like the the quote unquote agreement to um, the restricted franchise tag, however it's actually uh, worded, I can't even fathom what his trade market would be capital wise. Like, a, if you threw any number of picks, like day one, day two picks out there. I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, I just had, there's no frame of reference for this. We've never seen this before. What, like, what are we, when has this happened where a 26-year-old MVP is like, bitch, I want out, and has, outside of missing games the past couple of years, playing in a one-dimensional offense, when has one been available where it's like, hey, I'm I'm gonna be available. I'm not gonna sign a contract with them. I won't be available. Here I am, come get me. And nothing to like it's new unfound territory, unbroken ground. If you're the Packers, do you go? You see where I'm going with this already. Rogers for Lamar, straight up. Let's do this. No, 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 no. Do you trade Rogers to the Jets? Get whatever picks and players you would get from the Jets. And then package up the picks, turn them around, go to Baltimore and be like, here's this. Give us the Lamar now, please. And just go straight into your Lamar Jackson era. God, that would be such a fucking move. It would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean... Any team trading for Lamar Jackson at this point would make a lot of sense. Uh, Not the Chiefs. What about what about the 49ers trading 
every one of they or have. both of Brock Purdy and Trey Lance for Lamar Jackson in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, we talk about this with Brock Purdy. That's the only scenario where they get a, a starting quarterback back. Yeah, we talked about this with Brock Purdy a few weeks ago. If you were to trade Brock Purdy, now would probably be the time to do it. His value will never be higher than this. So why take the gamble? And Trey Lance's ceiling is probably Lamar's floor. So, no, maybe not that mean, but, like, Lamar's shown he's a Close. really fucking talented player. So, like, I don't know, man. It, your team is also so stupid good up and down the roster that you can kind of take a chance on having the husk of Lamar Jackson and still probably be fine. Like there's no more cushion a team could possibly have than that Niners roster right now. That'd be a, that'd be a pretty, pretty mean, mean trade right there. God, we want it though. We have, we have had some serious chaos this off season and uh, it you know is now a hunger that I need to feed. Sound to the Lions. That would be something. That would be real. I'm not saying it like fuck Lamar. Send him to like uh, up to the wall. What was the what was the part of uh, Game of Thrones where they had the wall? It was above Winterfell. Did they have a name for it? The wall. It was just the wall. I I, I was yeah. trying to. I had in my head there was another name for it. That's why I paused. But whatever. Um. Like, that's such an interesting position for the Lions to be in. They're they're not hanging on to Goff. They've got nobody else that is, like, promising in the quarterback slot. I don't buy the Vikings too much longer with Kirk Cousins. Who knows what the Packers are going to be without Rodgers? Who knows what the Bears are ever in any given season that they've been around? Would there be anything better than love just nothing running love. laps or thank you running laps around Aaron Rodgers like the next two years? I don't expect that to happen. I wouldn't think it could happen, but that would be funny for everyone but Jets fans. What would be funny is if this was just the new circle of life, which was that the Packers drafted generational you know, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback riding for 20 years to a single Super Bowl win that is roundly considered not enough because he was so good. He eventually gets frustrated, gets traded to the Jets. So that the quarterback they drafted three or four years prior can finally get a chance to start. And then the cycle continues. What would happen if the Jets get so fucking fed up with Aaron Rodgers bullshit? That they just say, fuck it, we're not trading for Aaron Rodgers and trade for uh, love. I don't know why they would do that. If anything, the if, memes, if anything, at this point, you I said it a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Lamar and Rodgers business in the first place, but it has to be brought up again. The Jets got to be checking in on Lamar. You know, like they have to be because if there's a consideration to be made for like how talented each guy is and their youthfulness and whatnot, like, and if, if the value, uh, if the trade value lines up correctly, I mean, like, come on, you would, you gotta take Lamar, right? I would prefer Lamar for sure. 
I know a lot of Jets fans have their hearts set on Rodgers, and I totally, totally get it. I've been getting excited about him specifically, too, because of if he's what he usually is, we're the best team in the world. <laughs> but um, fuck, man, Lamar Jackson's got an MVP, and he is young. And Rodgers is very much on the decline. And expensive as shit. It'd, be, it'd probably be the same money either way. Jeez, didn't think about that, but yeah, it would be close. Like, obviously, Lamar would be a long-term commitment by comparison, but oof. But Rogers' money shit is insane. Yeah, and the Jets team as it's constructed right now is like pretty young and cheap, so they could totally do it. Yeah. Oh, we will see. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not sure there's too much more to say because it is such a continuation of... It's not like a usual franchise tag deal where it's like, oh, that's kind of the end of it, like, bing, bang, boom, you know, whatever. No, like, Lamar has been theoretically on the hunt for another team these past few weeks, this past month or two anyway. So this doesn't really change too much in terms of, like, the conversation. Where does he go? What's the value? It changes a little bit because now it's not just the money and then those two firsts are locked in, but it is loosely the same conversation. So there's not too much to rehash there. Um, so let's talk about baseball. Unless you got anything else for football? There's been nothing going around for football. Quiet. Yeah. All quiet on the Western Front. Josh's um, favorite movie. The 1930s movie is great. The current one is bad. Um, and if you liked it, you suck. Yeah, that's right. Including half the hosts of this show. Terrible people. It's true. It, I am a terrible person. Bring it on. Um, so typically we are more prepared for opening day and have our uh, bull predictions done and out of the way. We forgot. They will be next week. Uh, so instead, we're going to just kind of look into each of our team's starting lineups and roster construction just to get a feel for, like, who the team is this year and how they have um, – how they're kind of set up. We're not going to do it team by team because it's too many teams and how uh, much do we care? We, we we are a Yankees fan and a Padres fan. Those are the teams we care about. Um, so those are the t- rosters we're going to be getting into. It's also fitting because per steamer projections, the number one and number two most valuable players um, by war um, heading into next season are supposed to be Juan Soto of the San Diego Padres with 7.2 and Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees with 7.1. So in addition to the fact that these are our favorite teams, they are already teams that are much worth looking into. Uh, if you're to go by Zip's preseason projections, Judge is first with eight war, which is a stupid number. And uh, Juan Soto is third with 6.5. Trey Turner sandwiched in between them at uh, 6.6. Actually, I didn't look at pitchers. I wonder who's uh, top dog for pitchers. Uh, for Zip's, number one is Cor- Corbin Burns. 4.9 war. Okay. And... Steamer I number don't necessarily one is necessarily disagree. Get this steamer number one is Jacob DeGrom, 5.2, and number two is Corbin Burns. I'm not wrong, Corbin Burns is like a really, really good pitcher and kind of like weirdly, I think, not as well known of a name in like the broader football, football, like baseball fandom. 
I think like if you say his name like Zach Wheeler, there's a little bit more like, oh, yeah, 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 I know that name. But Corbin Burns, despite the Cy Young win, like just two seasons ago, um, like that name doesn't like spark anything. Um, he's very fucking good. Yes, he is. It's probably because he's only been good for two seasons. I'm looking at his stats page right now. He was very good in 2020, but shortened season. You know, it's tough to take too much away from that. Because mm-hmm. before that, in 2019, negative 2.2 war in 32 games. And 2018, you know which was his rookie year, was 0.7 war. So despite the fact that he That's has... Developed. Right. He, despite the fact he has a Cy Young and then two other top 10 finishes, all in like three straight seasons, his career war is only 10.4. Kind of nuts. I've been reading a couple prediction threads from Pitcher List and just uh, random ones I've seen tweeted out on Twitter. And God, so many guys are just like, oh, yeah, Corbin Burns is going to win the Cy Young. Just lock it in. It's like, all right. I get he's a popular prediction. He's won it. He has some outrageous, excuse me, stuff. Um, great flow, great flow. A little sexy, a little sexy. And you know what? Who am I to argue? All of the other, you know, top end competitors or competition for the Cy Young this year are like sixty. So, who am I to say no? And that—that's part of why Garrett Cole has yet to win his Cy Young. Not sexy. I, I'm here to say it. I I love Garrett. He is uh he's my guy at the the top of the rotation. Garrett Cole, not sexy. Gotta gotta be a lot sexier to win Cy Young. Cy Young is a sexy man's award. Sandy Alcantara just won it. That motherfucker's sexy. Um he Garrett is, Cole um, not sexy. Garrett Cole looks so much like a thumb that he makes Mike Trout look like a better, sexier digit. I don't know what the what the hotter finger would be, but Mike Trout chiseled jawline, especially in comparison to uh, my man Garrett. Garrett, I mean, like, like index finger. I might get a little beat up, you know, a little wear and tear. Middle finger, kind of long, kind of vulgar. Pinky's just wait. I think the ring finger is the sexiest finger. I was thinking the two. That is why we put the rings on it. Yeah, thumb's just too chody. Thumb is the chode of the hand. There, there you go. go. This is what Corbin you can ask for. Absolute Nietzsche nonsense. Philosophy. Basically, unlistenable garbage. Corbin Heller well, is the Jean-Paul Sartre of finger sexiness. I am the taco from the league of finger sexiness. Equally good references. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into the the lineups. Uh, I, do you want to start with uh, Yankee Town or pa- Padreville? Uh, let's go as the sun rises. So let us let East us start. West. Well, technically, the sun rises in the east so yeah let's do that 
The visual in my head was so fucked up. <laughs> or when were you going to say we should start with the Padres because the sun rises in the west? Did you just Jerry Goff yeah. this shit? In my head, I was like, oh, yeah, I just see the sun coming up over the Rockies. Which is why they're three hours behind us. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, right, east. Right to the east. <laughs> I I still live by that Jer- that Jared Goff video where he was like, you know, the sun rises in the east, sets in the west, and Jared Goff goes, every day? <sighs> he... <laughs> Like it changes that every day? season of hard knocks. Can, uh, we're going on this tangent now. Yeah, that season of hard knocks was one of I, I truly mean this was one of the best self-contained pieces of sports media I've ever seen. Sports films, documentaries, individual events. Jeff Fisher, Jared Goff, like those. That was unmissable television. Jared Goff, man, I don't know how he made it through college. We know because he was an athlete and he didn't do any work himself. What a guy. I mean, what a guy. He, like, has... I've never seen a man so... Like, must be aware of what a meme is based on his age and yet so willing to become one. That man was just... I don't think he gave a shit. No, he didn't. He was just like, I'm blonde and an athlete and like good looking enough to slay ass so like i i'm subsisting on raw energy it's wild how he was very bad for a while and uh has completely blown the conversation of him and carson wentz out of the water yeah also just nuts that he was sharing a team with um Oh shit! What was his name? Who, who had that one season? That one good season with the Vikings? Oh my god! What's his name? What position? Quarterback. They were both on the. Oh, Rams Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Yeah. Case Keenum. Yeah. Ah, wild. Anyway. Anyway, um, let's start with the Yankees. So uh, I guess let's start behind the plate. Right now, the um, Fangraph's projection of what the Yankees roster is going to be is, uh, uh, so we'll also use this for essentially the lineup. Um, Catcher, Jose Trevino, he got a 56% chance. I'm not sure if that's 56% chance of starting or 56% chance. Oh, it's playing time. So they got uh, Trevino playing 56% of the games behind home plate, then Higashioka, then Ben Rortfit. Um Though that position might be might as well be held by anyone who plays catcher in the Yankees organization right now. I don't think it that matters that much that Ben Wardfit is number three. The real thing to keep in mind is that it's just it that is Jose Trevino and um Kyle Higashioka. Uh which I think if you're a Yankees fan, as I am, you kind of like begrudgingly take. And I say begrudgingly because not of Jose, but because of Kyle. I know it's backup catcher, so theoretically it shouldn't matter that much, but the guy has been just punishingly bad to watch. And when you have young dudes in your roster that would theoretically be better and the only reason they're being held down is because of money or whatever, it is kind of like disheartening to watch. I get that Kyle is a professional and that's what you want there. You want a guy that knows the... The rotation who can you know work with the pitchers has those relationships, all that type of stuff. But I don't 
want to see Kyle batting ever again, and I'll have to. Um, Jose is fine. Uh, I know we had a pretty good season last year. Do it again, and uh, I'll believe that he could be that guy full-time, but until then, I don't care. Um, sure. Yeah. You feel free to jump in at any point if you have things to say. I don't. Yeah. These first ones aren't very interesting. I'm trying. I'm moving starting from catcher because I think the outfield's a much more interesting conversation. But we'll get there in a minute. First base, seventy nine percent. Anthony Rizzo, twelve percent. Sorry, nineteen percent. Uh, DJ Lemayhew, two percent. Franchi Cordero, who the Yankees just signed today. Um, yeah, this is I think exactly what everyone was expecting. Again, ignore the fact Franchi's there. It kind of doesn't even matter. Um, or Franchi, Franchi Cordero. I always do that. Um. It's Anthony Rizzo. It's uh, who would you expect to be here, motherfucker? It's Anthony Rizzo. You know what I mean? What's mm-hmm. up? What page are you looking at with these percentages for time splits? I'm on the the, the depth charts. The depth for fan charts. Graphs? Fan graphs. Fan graphs. Depth charts. I'm sending you the pages. No, I'm I'm on the same one. I just uh, I don't have that breakdown as precisely. Maybe we're on different ones. Which is why I sent you the ones I got. Right, fuck you. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, oh, I confused myself by navigating to the Padres one. And I was like, what? What? When did Adam? Who English are these people? Yeah, right. What the fuck is that? Uh, so yeah, massively just threw myself off. It's yeah, it's Anthony Rizzo. I don't really give a shit. Second base, Glaber Torres, seventy five percent. DJ Lemayhew, eleven. Isaiah Kinefalefa, seven. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, four, and Oswald Peraza, three. Um, again, this is to be expected. They've got DJ here at both the infield positions so far. Yep. Um, this is Glaber's spot until they decide to trade him, and I really feel like if Glaber is having a good year they might trade him. If he's having a bad year, I don't know what they do. I mean, theoretically, they could just trade him anyway to get him off the roster. But like yeah. with how many middle infielders the Yankees have and the fact that we're about to talk about one who's getting called up to hypothetically start the season at short, you got to wonder what his how long he is for this world. Because I can't imagine that they're going to keep him around forever. Um, based on his track record with the team. Not that it's been bad, but just that it, it's been a little bit up and down. The defense hasn't been fantastic. It's been good at times and bad at times. The bat hasn't been fantastic. It's been good at times and bad at times. Uh, but the only time the bat was really good was when the balls we knew were juiced. And now they're not. <laughs> so I would Maybe. think it's right. Theoretically, they're not. I would think if he's off to a good start, you move on from him sometime around the trade deadline for whatever it is you're looking for um, under the assumption that you feel comfortable calling up one of the young guys or having DJ slot in permanently at second, which he could do. Um, that will hinge a little bit upon what happens at third base. Well, I guess we'll get there in a second. What do you think about the Glaber Torres thing? I will say I absolutely do not follow him as closely as you have but from my <laughs> exactly there's no reason not to have him start at second base there's no reason not to have him in your lineup every day to start out the season I, again we'll get to the third base options and and where everyone kind of fits in here but 
he's not a negative player, at least from my perception of the conversation around Glaber Torres and what I've seen. He's not a negative player. Yes, he's not living up to the expectations and the perception of what he was going to become after that breakout season, but that doesn't mean he's useless. Fully agreed. And in fact, this last season was his best season by war, which is nuts. But a large sum of that is coming from the fact that his his defense massively improved this year. And, you know, we'll also have to see, like, how all these stats and whatnot change with the banning of the shift. You know, his offense might not get any better because theoretically that should help out the left-handed hitters more than the right-handed hitters. But maybe it... If anything, it's going to make his defense worse, actually, because he won't have the additional help of the shortstop coming over for left-handed hitters. But, like, who who the fuck knows? Like, we have no idea what the genuine statistical effects of this is going to be on player value. Mm-hmm. So my only thing, though, is with the consideration for the Yankees fan is it you don't just trade bad players. You have to trade good players, too. And you have to ask yourself, when is it time? So I'm not saying this the Yankees are going to trade Glaber Torres this year. But I would think this would be probably a pretty interesting time to really consider it, depending on how he's playing. I can't disagree. Uh, all right. So that brings us to shortstop, which again is really interesting. Shortstop is Anthony Volpe, who got called up or not called up, but officially declared as the uh, as Brian Cashman mounted the facade in Yankee stadium and shouted across 161st street that uh, he officially declared Anthony Volpe will be making the starting roster for the New York Yankees in 2023. Um, and that has him here as uh, 81% of the time being the starting shortstop for the Yanks, uh, 14% IKF and then 3% Peraza, 2% Cabrera. So, I mean, theoretically, he could move over the course of the season if the defense doesn't shake out. But the fact that the Yankees are doing this is a pretty big move. We've been screaming this for a couple of years that they need to start calling up the younger guys more. And three of the four guys listed here in this depth chart are young dudes. And Anthony Volpe has serious considerations for being the main guy. And this gives them a lot of flexibility on how they can shake up the roster now, because you theoretically don't have to have Torres play short ever this season, which would be, I think, the first time he'd ha- he'll, he won't have touched that spot in the infield in his career. Um, yes, I just confirmed that. So, uh, it, because, you know, because you have Peraza and Cabrera and DJ if you need him to. So this is a big decision, which is part of why I also think it might spell the end of Torres because you might not need that you might not need that guy. You might just not, you might have enough flexibility elsewhere that you don't need it. How Volpe does, who the fuck knows? Um, it's a first year in the majors and it's a first, it's a weird first year in the majors because he's coming in with the pitch clock in place, with the shift ban in place, with the larger bases in place. So it's, it's just a bunch of like who, like his steamer projections or his um 2023 projections across all of the different uh, estimators. Uh, his war is as low as 1.3 and as high as 3.5. Just all over the place. Just don't know. 
That's fun. It is fun. I have to say it is so much fun. Uh, his last season, 2022, finished up triple A, having played in 22 games, 99 at bats, sorry, 99 plate appearances, three home runs. Uh, where are the rest of his stats? I don't care. I don't care about RBIs, five RBI. Who the fuck cares? Um, Oh, here's a slash line. 236, 313, 404. A WRC plus of 91. Which, like, is mediocre, but again, I mean, just genuinely fine. Knows. Right. And so that brings us to third base, which is um, maybe decides how the roster looks at the end of the season. Third base is 49%, by far the lowest we've seen. Josh Donaldson. 33% DJ LeMayhew, 13% IKF, 4% Cabrera, 1% Peraza. So Cabrera and Peraza have appeared across all three of the non-first base infield positions. Um, DJ has appeared in all of the non-shortstop infield positions. Um, IKF has been uh, at the corner, uh, been at third and second. Sorry, and, sh- and short. So he's been at all the non-first base positions as well, as well I should say. So they have three flex position guys, which feels like too many because again, IKF Cabrera and Peraza don't need to all be able to play third, short and second, especially Can't start have, all of them. And especially when you have DJ who's able to play first, second and third. So again, spells the end of somebody here. Uh, and then Donaldson, 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 Donaldson. If he sucks, he has to go. That is the long and short of it. This is not an if he's good, you trade him kind of thing like Glaber because Glaber's young and there's value to that. Josh Donaldson's not young. There's no value to him outside of him being a good player for the remainder of his contract with the Yankees. And projections do not like him. His high watermark is from Zips and it's 2.7 war. His low is 1.2 from Steamer. Like he's not being well liked by those metrics. And there's no reason to really be a fan of him uh, starting for the Yankees this year. He's brought nothing to the table thus far that would be impressive. So if if he's not good during, you know, come whatever deadline the Yankees feel like putting on him, I'm not saying he has to be traded because I doubt he has any trade value. You got to cut him because that position uh, could be filled by somebody doing more. And you have you have young guys. He is blocking. Yeah, theoretically, he's not, if he's not adding value, you have guys that either will immediately or will in the future. And you gotta you gotta put them out there if they're gonna provide for you. At some point, they need playing time. Theoretically, you could have a first to third of Rizzo. Uh, Peraza, Volpe, Donaldson, which still leaves you IKF and Cabrera floating. And you can even still move on from IKF and try to, uh, I'm sure the Yankees have other depth guys that, you know, could uh, fill in the spots as needed or could be acquired. I'm not really worried about that, but we'll get to it. Um, Point being, there's not the root need for this much, there's too much flexibility to have one guy who only plays one position be bad at it and have a shitty bat. And Donaldson just oof, oof last year was one of the saddest things I've had to watch. So 
Yeah. All right. Outfield things are also interesting here. We got Aaron Judge and Wright, 68%. That's actually a little bit lower than I was expecting. Uh, Stan, 15. Cabrera, 11. Franchi Cordero, 5. Um, and I don't even know who the fuck this is offhand. Uh, Michael Aramasio with a 1% chance. I don't know who that is offhand. Uh, yeah, I, Judge is probably going to end up splitting time between right and left. He's been playing a lot of left in spring training to get acclimated to it. Um, maybe this should just read more as corner outfield in general. Uh, this one's kind of locked in. Uh, not a lot to say here. I would agree. He won MVP. He's playing the position he plays. Yeah, cool. Doesn't doesn't matter where he plays, he will play. Yeah. Center field, Harrison Bader, 73%. Aaron Judge, 11%. Aaron Hicks, 6%. Estevan Floreal, 4%. Oswald Cabrera, 3%. IKF, 3%. I, I hope IKF doesn't go out there unless there's like six injuries. It doesn't make any sense for me. Um, Yeah, Harrison Bader, the acquisition of last season for Jordan Montgomery. Uh, had a great postseason. Um, looking forward to seeing him fully healthy. He's a center fielder. He's a good center fielder. This is a no shit as well. Is he fully healthy? Um, I haven't asked lately, but I could uh, I could slip a tongue Thanks. down his throat and find out. Thank you. Uh, let me, hey, 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 better. Let me lick your tonsils. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. Yeah. And then left field, the final of the outfield positions is Kuki. It's Aaron Hicks, fifty-three percent. Oswald Cabrera, thirty percent. Very high, highest for Cabrera's positions, of which he is listed. Um, <laughs> seven times, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I thought he was listening to DH. He's not listening to DH. So six times of the, of the eight uh, or nine non-pitching positions, he is listed in six of them as potential playing time. This is crazy. 30, so 30% for Cabrera, 9% for judge, 5% for Franchi Cordero, 2% for Willie Calhoun. I did not realize was on this team. And uh, 1% IKF. Um, so this is interesting because I don't know what the Yankees' leash is with Hicks. And I don't know if Hicks doesn't pan out or whatever. Do they try to make Judge over their work and put Stanton in right? Or do they try start going to the roster of young dudes again? And does this become Cabrera's position? It's an interesting time for the Yankees because they're kind of in between or they have both options available to them between the young dudes and their more heavy hitters. So it's um, it's an interesting position. If Hicks doesn't pan out this year again, I have to imagine the Yankees move on. He is so cheap that I get why it's worth hanging on to him because he costs no money. It's 10 million bucks. It goes down next year. It's not a lot of money. But the roster spot, again, becomes the question. So it's an interesting spot, this left field position this year. It's really amazing how the Yankees are a team that has a top three payroll in baseball every year for, you know, open-ended since and the they always seem since since money was invented uh by George Soros 
Um, You're welcome. And they always seem to have one old defensive first, otherwise kind of useless outfielder that they are just holding on to with a vice grip. I don't remember who it was before uh, Brett Gardner. I assume it was the man from Boston whose name is conveniently skipping my mind, Jacoby Ellsbury. Ellsbury. Um, why do they do that? It's exceedingly unexciting. Um, have you considered that it's fun and kind of quirky? I think owners like to be quirky. Hal Steinbrenner is definitely someone who I would describe as quirky. Yeah, he's a quirky little guy. Owners like to think that they're quirky. Owners watch New Girl and I'm like, it's me. I'm like that too. I want Elon Musk to buy a um, baseball team now. I want right. to see him manage. I want to see him manage a team. I don't like Elon Musk. I think he's a dumb piece of shit. Um, but I think him managing a baseball team I don't care about would be funny because I think he would try and make these ridiculous moves that he thinks is incredibly smart. And he wouldn't take to heart any sort of negative feedback. So there's nothing stopping him from just continuing on doing those things. You're just describing George Steinbrenner. Like yeah, but he was describing... successful at no, it. No, 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 no. You were describing the reason that the Yankees did not win a World Series in the 1980s. The sole reason that a Yankees team with one of the greatest baseball players of the later half of, of the uh, uh, 1975 and on, Don Mattingly, could not scrape together a championship or win their division because George Steinbrenner. He Touché. didn't have control when he took over the team in the late 70s, and they were able to win two back-to-back World Series rings. And then he bequeathed control of the, of the team in the 90s for uh, various reasons, including his gambling and also Gene Michael being strong enough to be like, fuck you, George. And they won a million championships. But the reason that the Yankees didn't win shit in the 80s was because George Steinbrenner did exactly what you're describing. Touche, good sir. Touche. Oh, George. What a guy. Which, which Yankees management position whose first name is George are you referring to, Josh? Uh, Costanza. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a classic Costanza. Costanza! Um, yeah. All right, so that is um the last thing is the is the DH. The DH is going to be Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, Stanton is sixty two percent, and then it's just all the other guys whose names we already read. It's not very interesting. Um, so just for a recap, then we're looking at a starting lineup. Um, in no particular order, of Trevino, Rizzo, Torres, Volpe, Donaldson, Judge, Bader, Hicks, Stanton, which has a lot of promise, but has also a million guys that have shown that they can be real, real bad. It's like when you draft a fantasy football team where you're not very good at it. This is an auto draft. But yeah, this is an ultimate big name over like assured production. Like your first pick 
Aaron Judge is a fucking home run lock. And then every other player you have on your team could blow up positively or negatively, but they could very likely blow the fuck up. Like, there's nobody here also that you would call, like, a a good depth pick or, like, sleeper pick, which is why I think this feels so much like an auto-draft. Like, it it feels like, oh, I know who all these players are, but, like, they're not who I would have picked. Like, these are all name-brand guys, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. I miss fantasy baseball. Uh... I yeah me too I forgot about it until uh, now I should have remembered it earlier so I could have joined one yeah damn that's the cool thing about baseball though is you can join up midseason and it really doesn't affect the season long standings really at all it's true 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 all right Corwin lead us through the Padres of San Diego of San Diego all right at catcher, probably the only split that you will actually see on this team. They have Austin Nola at 48%, Luis Campusano at 43%, and then two guys at six and three that I don't know. Pedro Severino, maybe? Brett Sullivan? Wow, I guess both those names. I must have heard them before. That is the ultimate surprise. Um, look, oh, Nola is kind of the trusty veteran who doesn't really have a tremendous amount of upside, but he's steady. Campusano has tremendous upside and has been very up and down in his MLB career so far, mostly down. Um, this is really the only competition, uh, in this entire roster, which is, I will say I'm very happy about. Um, it's really just can Campusano's framing and defense live up to average? Can his bat get hot? Is Ostinola going to just evaporate into nothing uh, as expected? Uh, don't know. Compared to the rest of the guys in this lineup, don't care either. It, this is a if this is a negative position for us, that's that's kind of okay. Uh, at first base, uh, the Crone Zone, he's taken over. Uh, he'll split some time, uh, 67%, by the way. He'll split some time with Matt Carpenter, 29%. Um, they have Nelson Cruz here at 1%. I can't imagine he sees more than, like, a game here. Um, be the DH daddy. Cronenworth moving over from second after moving over from shortstop after moving over from pitcher. I genuinely think this could be his best position. Uh, He was definitely a plus second baseman, but he had great instincts, not much speed. I love him at first base. Um, Yes. Second base, Ha-Sung Kim has 63% of starts. Jake Cronenworth at 20%. Ruffy Odor at 14%. Eddie Rosario at 2 That's definitely not Eddie Rosario. Um, there's no way he's on this team. Egai Rosario. Rugnet Odor is on the Padres? Yeah, he was a, a non-roster oh, invite. I remember this. That's yeah. I texted about this when it happened. Yeah. 
for a third string second baseman, I'm happy to have Rugnet Odor for absolutely no money. He'll be Rugi. a great, great end of the bench bat. Every now and um, then he'll be he'll have like a total big skid or whatever, but then he'll do something really cool and he'll look so goddamn casual about it and you'll be like, This fucking guy, this guy's the fucking best. This guy with his big goofy beard acting like the hottest shit on the goddamn planet. It's so much fun. He's a he's a he's a fun guy even when he's not doing so hot. Uh especially since he's never going to have to genuinely see the field. I'm okay with that. Uh, Hassan Kim is going to have gold glove defense at second base, and he might be my favorite player on the team right now. Hard to say. Uh, Shortstop, the new guy, Xander Bogarts, 90% of starts here, 7% for Hassan Kim, 2% for the first time being mentioned, Fernando Tatis Jr., and 1% Jay Cronenworth. I am honestly surprised by this number. Uh, I would have thought between Bogarts, Kim, and Tatis, there would be some movement. Well, I when understand. Is, um, when is when does Tatis get back? He'll be suspension? back like mid-April. Oh, really? I thought his suspension was way longer than that. The the playoff run helped, and there was still uh, a handful of games. It might be late April, um, but it's early. It's okay. pretty early. Um. I'm fine moving Tatis off of shortstop. I think that is the correct decision. Um, I would love to see Hassan come here defensively more often. Um, I've never seen Xander Bogarts play second base. I've never heard of him playing second base. So if this is truly a, well, Bogarts kind of has to be on the side of the diamond, I'm okay with it. He showed a good improvement in defense last year for the Red Sox. Having Hasong absolutely locked down one side of it, I'm very okay with. Um, but it really is a. However, this unfolds, it's totally fine. Uh, and then third base, of course, Manny Machado, ninety three percent of expected starts. Hasong Kim with three percent, Rugi with two percent, Matt Carpenter with one percent, and. Some guy I don't know with another 1%, B. Dixon. Manny Machado is going to play gold glove defense, silver slugger offense. He is the heart and soul of this team. He will be the cornerstone of both our infield and our team and our hopes and dreams uh, for this season. So uh, I'm so excited to watch him play baseball again. Moving to the outfield. In right. We have our man, Fernando Tatis Jr. New position. He has played it all of uh, spring training. This is such a kooky list of outfielders, I just want to say. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. Um, he has a cannon of an arm, which we knew. I think he could really excel in right field. I definitely could see him playing center field. I don't want him in center because Trent Grisham is there which we will get to. But I think right field will be a very good home for Tatis. Um, he's expected to get 58% of starts there. He's missing part of the season. This is to be expected. He's not going to be moving around all that much. David Dahl is going to be filling in in the meantime. He's going to get 16% of starts. Adam Angle is here, expected to get nine. Jose Azco, Azacar, 
I'm so sorry. No, ass coat. Definitely ass, ass coat. Ass coat. Big heavy ass coat. Yes, he does. Uh, with 9% of starts, Matt Carpenter with 6 and Juan Soto with 2. As happy as I am to get Fernando Tatis back and in a position I fully expect him to not perform better because he can perform at a very high level at shortstop, but fail lesson because he failed a fair amount at shortstop. Um, I'm more excited to get Juan Soto out of right field. He was a gold glove finalist, which I know we talked about and is unbelievably insane of a nomination um, or being a finalist. I'm still in the Oscars. Uh, he moves to left field, which I think is a much better home for him. If he doesn't eventually get moved to designated hitter, uh, 79% of starts for one Soto and left Adam angle at 9%, uh, Jose Ascote at 6%, Matt Carpenter, three, David Dahl, three. Um, I really hope Adam angle doesn't get 9% of starts in left field. That man is quite old and, I almost would prefer David Dahl. Um, but regardless, Juan Soto is going to live it out in left field. Hide him out there. I don't expect good things defensively, but just if he doesn't fuck it up, I'm okay with it. Um, that's also part of the reason why I would like seeing Hassan Kim playing short because he is very good when he has to go out into the outfield. Um, that's one of those old-timey baseball opinions that it probably weighed in my head way more heavily than it actually should be in real life. But I don't care uh, because I have never once claimed to be smart in baseball. Regardless, that brings us to center field uh, where gold glove center fielder Trent Grisham will be living out. Um, 77% of starts expected there. Adam Angle at 12. Again, wouldn't love to see that. Uh, Fernando Tatis at four and Mr. Ashcoat with seven going out of order defensively as a whole this has to be a top team in baseball like i i, I mean, genuinely just Grisham and, and angle angle stuck around in the white Sox for so much longer than he deserved to because his defense was so fucking good sorry to cut you off uh, i i fully recall hearing that knowing that but it's one of those uh i don't I don't know what I haven't seen, and I have not seen him play baseball in a f since he was with the Nationals for their World Series run. He was um, never with the Nationals. I don't, who am I thinking of? I don't know. This will be Adam, his first year not as a White Sox. Nationals. Oh, God, who was that? Um, I gotta look it up now. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of other like Adam Duvall. Definitely wasn't him. White outfielders. What year was the 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 Nationals World Series at 2019? Yes. Why don't they have rosters here? That would be like. All right, their outfield was Juan Soto. Oh, you're thinking Adam Eaton? Ah, uh, the other Adamy. Yep. Yeah. Adam Eaton, the other mediocre white dude outfielder. Yeah, he is retired. That yes, makes retired. way more sense. 
Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, don't, I get like he was good. But at funny enough, still, he was probably with the White Sox old. in his last season. It was the White Sox and then for half a year and then the Angels for half a season. Um, um, that goes to show that I shouldn't be held responsible for this now. Sure. Thank you for your time. Um, regardless, uh, defensively, the, your only hole is left field with Juan Soto there. Is that my only hole? Um, yes. That's pretty great. I forgot, of course, designated hitter. Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter are going to split time. Uh, 50% Cruz, 19% Carpenter, 12% Tatis, 11% Soto, 3% Machado, 2% Bogarts, 2% Odor, and 1% Campusano. At Listen, Nelson Cruz is not the same Nelson Cruz we all know and love. But, boy, there's definitely a lot of guys I would want less, you know? I just Every, want the chance to be able to watch some Nelson Cruz before he leaves the league. I was about to say, it's going to be <laughs> fine because every home run he hits will be kind of exciting because it's like, it's fucking Nelson Cruz. Like, this is fun to watch. As long as he's, like, decent. He he very There's very well could be a Robinson Cano situation where old man comes in and it, it kind of sucks. But the track record, even recently, much better for Cruz than it was for Cano. Um. Also, yeah, it is, I am... it is worth remembering that Robinson Cano was owed like a, dozens of millions of dollars, and Nelson Cruz signed on for a one-year, one million dollar contract. Like, it's the least amount of money they could possibly pay to acquire him. So, so, so incredibly true. It is um, like the big boy MLB version of a package of peanuts. Like, it's nothing. <laughs> Uh, so to round it out, the starting lineup in will be in some order: Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, Hassan Kim, Jake Cronenworth, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Trent Grisham, and Aaron Nola. Oh, and Nelson Cruz. Offensively, yeah, that's a, nice a pretty lineup. damn good lineup, dude. It's such this, a good lineup. It is. Listen, AJ Preller, the man is a cokehead, drug. Fiend, but he he can put together a team. And hey, hats off to the ownership group who, boy, they opened up their wallets for this. Pumping money into this team like money's going out of style. Uh, it's not. There was a, there was a possibility of losing Machado, and they were like, mm, mm, no, we're going to back up the dump truck of money into his house so he cannot leave and must remain a Padre once more. It is so nice to see. Um, God, this team is so fucking good. I mean, like, it's tough to remember how good this team was last year, and they didn't have Tatis on it. Like, and they didn't have a full season of Soto. Like, this team was so good last year, and two huge parts of it this year basically weren't there last year. Yeah. Well, Three parts, even. Tatis, Bogarts, and Soto. Oh, Bogarts, too. Right, 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 yeah. right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, it's also tough to think that the Padres only won 89 games last year. That doesn't even Listen, sound. shut the fuck up. I don't remember that. We went, we were so bad after the All-Star break. That's right. They had the big collapse. I completely forgot about that. That's what it was. It's crazy. That was only like... 
five, six months ago, and it feels yeah. like years, years have passed, lifetimes ago. It's funny how, at least in my world that I live in, the football season is a handful of months long, you know, August through February. But the off season and the attention that the, it gets from the media keeps it wildly prevalent for the entire year. Thankfully, you know, because of the draft and the combine preseason and all of that, it's always there. Baseball takes up most of the year, but after the world series and before the week leading into opening day, it, it like completely removes itself from my brain. And then it's like, Holy shit. Like that really wasn't that long ago, but it feels like I haven't watched baseball in a year. Yeah. The, the football off season is definitely spread out in a more interesting way. Cause you have, you know, the super bowl, like it's now it's like mid February cause the extra week. And then the start of the off season kicks up. And then, you know, after things start to kind of die down, then you get the draft stuff that kicks up. The draft is definitely a much, much, much bigger deal for football. And the timing of it definitely works out better for keeping that news prevalent. Because the MLB draft is mid-season. So it's it's not its own thing as much. And they're not going to impact those teams for four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you get a guy... Who will come up in like a year or two, but by Bryce and Harper. large, Chris Sale came up same year. Chris Sale got oh, drafted in like wild. July and like was pitching for the White Sox in like August or some shit like that or September. It's crazy. Huh. That probably won't happen again. But um, regardless, like then once the 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 draft actually ends, you get some like last minute odds and ends where teams try to you know finish running out the roster. Then OTA start then. Regular, regular practice starts, and then it's preseason. It's bing, bang, boom. It just keeps kind of moving along, whereas baseball, it really is like the World Series, then free agency starts, and then the winter meetings, which is like about a month and a half after the season ends. And then that's kind of it until pitchers and catchers report. And even after pitchers and catchers report, it's kind of like, oh, they report it, thank God. Now what? You know? So yeah, I do. I'm with you on that. I fully agree. The the low is so low in uh MLB offseason. Uh, we uh we talked about playing MLB the show to kind of get through the offseason. And we never once played MLB the show together. No, we were we were weirdly busy, which translates yeah. to the fact that we haven't recorded on Sundays in like a year. Uh, just to shout out the Padres differences, some of the, the key differences from last year, because it is such an interesting transformation from a team that was pretty much already good. And we're only concerning ourselves with batting today, obviously. But uh, first base last year was Eric Hosmer for 90 games. This year, it'll be Drake Jake Cronenworth. <laughs> last year, it was Jake Cronenworth at second base. So, you know, instead of him being there, it'll be Hassan Kim full time. And last year at shortstop, it was Hassan Kim, and this time it'll be Xander Bogarts. So essentially, the the real transplant there is Eric Hosmer for Xander Bogarts, which is just a huge, oh my god, huge. Upgrade. And they were they were traded for each other, so it helps. Or no, they weren't traded. No, for they each weren't. Other, they did swap positions. Yeah. yeah, sorry, positions. Yeah, uh, and then Machado at third, Machado at third. 
the the outfield goes from being a left field of jerks and profile to being a left field of Juan Soto. Center field is Trent Grisham and Trent Grisham. Juan Soto was in right last year, but now it'll be Tatis. So the real swap there is uh, uh, Jerks and Profar Fernando Tatis Jr., which is Ooh. just nuts. Hey, Jerks and Profar was formerly the number one prospect in all of baseball. You can't discount that. It can't be denied. Except for all of that time in Major League Baseball to change opinions. The interesting one here is going to be Luke Voigt, who was the DH for 82 games last season. We'll see how the combo of Cruz and Carpenter fare to see if they can outdo Voigt, who was not bad by any means in his 82 games last year, 113 OPS plus. He did his he did his job. Obviously, I think for DH, you'd hope for a little bit higher, but like he did his job. Um, no, and he, he was really the one guy we lost this offseason that I thought was a big loss. Having you guys traded into the forward. Nationals for for that who's part of the the Soto trade, right? It was supposed to be Haas, yeah. and then Haas was like, yep. "No, I'm going to go to Boston." And so we had to ship out Voight instead. And oh my God, what a difference that was! Like the uh, value proposition there was just so vastly different. I love that the Padres stood firm and were like, "Haas, we're kicking you off the team, bud. <laughs> like, you can yeah. veto this trade." We're getting you You're off leaving. of this fucking team. You're leaving. Yeah, to make no mistakes about it. I'll kill you if I have to. Like, uh, Crawler comes down, like, gets in Hosmer's face, like, I'm going to get you off my fucking I, team. I'm going to get listen, you off. By all accounts, Hosmer was a great locker room presence. But he was so fucking bad for so long in one unbelievably specific aspect that he at no point attempted to change whatsoever. No. And I don't feel bad for him at all because of that. He's a millionaire. Don't feel bad it's for It's baseball. You're not trying to hit the ball in the dirt. Fuck out of here. Haas was like, Haas played like a, 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 what do you call it? With those games that don't matter. An Logo, exhibition game sticks. of like 1800s baseball doing the Baltimore chop and was like, this is amazing. I'm doing great. And just couldn't stop it since. All of those balls just pounded in the dirt without the leg speed to actually make it to first on time. What a loser. Get fucked, Hosmer. You're only good at baseball and a millionaire. <laughs> However, will you survive? What are what are those sticks called that uh, they use for practice? Like where it's like Builders? short. No, like coaches will use it for like infield drills. It's like really short, almost like a broom handle. So it's with an F. Oh, a uh, fungo. Fungo stick, not fogo. He basically fungo. played with one of those. Well, the funny thing about that is that those sticks are are meant to be you're supposed you're meant to be able to easily get the ball in the air with them. <laughs> that was the whole thing. Really? You're, you're able to swing it with one hand. You you obviously you pound it into the ground, but the idea is that it's light oh, enough that you light enough that you can do a full swing. Because pounding yeah. it into the ground is actually easy with one easier easier with one hand um, with a regular size bat because it's your gravity's going with you. But to get that kind of like upward motion with, yeah. So the irony is that right. Hosmer sucks a lot of dick regardless of what bat he was using. And everyone in the world knew that. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Any, any other, any other thoughts on anything before we uh, skedaddle? Um, no. All right. Go well, Padres. uh, 
Go Padres. Yeah, have a happy opening day, everybody. Hope it goes well for you and your team, unless your team is playing our teams, in which case, get fucked. Hope they lose. Suck a dick. Fuck the Rockies. Um, we will be doing bull predictions next week, so um, keep an ear out for that, I guess. And uh, if you want to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicethenumbers at gmail.com. If you want to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. And if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. Um, that's the thing, Juicing Pod, at Juicing Pod. Uh, yeah, and uh, until next time, y'all have a good one. Bye.